Hello and welcome to the Re-Platform podcast. This is episode 26 and it's myself, James Gerd, and I'm joined as always by my co-host Paul Rogers. Paul, how are you doing today, mate? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Uh, looking forward to another episode. How's the energy and enthusiasm levels this morning? Yeah, good. I think um, I, I haven't seen too much of Checkout.com before, so I'm um, yeah quite excited to learn a bit more about them. Excellent. Let's frame frame the discussion what we're doing, then we'll we'll do introductions with Mathieu and Hannah from Checkout. So the focus today is we're going to talk about how you evaluate payment service providers for e-commerce projects. Absolutely critical, critical uh, uh, part of the project here. Um, and we're joined by uh, Mathieu and Hannah from Checkout. Morning, Mathieu and Hannah. How are you? Good, and you? Happy Monday, as I said. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I just I'll set up the episode for a little bit. Then I'll, 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 I'll if you don't mind, then we'll come back to both of you. Introduce who you are, what you do, and you can tell us a bit about checkout. Then if that makes sense. Um, so yeah. So the aim today is we want to look at the key considerations for selecting payment partners for replatforming. As I said, it's a critical decision path, not just because it has legal implications and also see financial, because if you can't process payments, you can't take money, and that's a bit of a problem for e-commerce. But it's also impacts on other areas of the business, like customer service teams, manager things like um, refunds, in-store staff if you've got in-store payment, etc. So really, really important decision. So getting the detail is right to understand operational financial implications. And we always come at this myself and Paul that technology is really a perfect fit for your business you have to understand the pros and cons of different platforms you have to understand how it fits with your business needs you have to sometimes make compromises to get the right solution in so to help you we're going to go through 12 key questions based on our experience and knowledge of running these projects that you should endeavor to answer in as much detail as possible to create a balanced scorecard and we're delighted that, that Matthew and Hannah um, from checkout.com have agreed to join us today. So what they're going to do is when we introduce each of these points, they're going to talk through what checkout does, the features it has, the capabilities and what it provides merchants. So I think it'll give you a really good, rich understanding of, of how payment providers can help businesses in this area. Um, so with that as the framing, um, Hannah Matthew, would you like to introduce yourselves, what your roles are, and give us a bit of a background and flavour for who checkout is? Sure, um, I'll go ahead first. Um, so uh, I take care of the commercial team in the, in the UK, been at checkout for a bit more than four years. I think we were around 30 employees, now we're 700 employees. Uh, so let's call it a hyper growth company. Um, checkout is, you know, a payment provider, uh, acquire gateway and processor in the UK, uh, US, uh, Hong Kong, Singapore, Australia, uh, and all around Europe. Um, and our main ITD point uh, that we sell is one unified payment system uh, in all those countries. So we mainly target uh, enterprise merchants that want to go abroad um, and accept more payment method with a simple integration. That's basically it. Fantastic, thank you. And Hannah, how about yourself? What, what, what role do you do with Checkout? Um, so I'm a sales manager in the London office, part of Matthew's team, um, and kind of work a bit across Europe as well, but mainly in London. Fantastic, thank you. Uh, and I've been having lots of conversations recently with, with Hannah and the team, um, getting myself a, a bit more knowledgeable about where Checkout fits in the market. So looking forward to, to having you both, and thanks for taking the time to come on. Looking forward to draining your knowledge of uh, payments uh, from an e-commerce um, platform point of view. So you are you both ready for some questions? Yeah, go ahead. 
Excellent. That's what we like to hear. Okay, let's start at the beginning of workforce. So the, the critical thing for me, the, the, the first selection point is around compliance because fundamentally you have to be compliant with the latest standards um, and PCI DSS has been in play for many years and the, the uh, PSD2, the latest payment services directive, came into play uh, last year and that has an impact in terms of um, security, compliance, etc. So what would be useful to understand is, and I, I, pre I totally appreciate uh, Matthew and Hannah, you can't give legal advice, that's not what we're trying to do today, but just understand how does checkout enable customers to achieve PCI compliance? You know, what are the core compliance capabilities baked into your platform? Yeah, sure. Uh, thanks for the question. Um, it's actually a really interesting point, um, especially with the increase of internet spending um, and more and more fraud happening in the world. I think we've seen a massive surge of fraud happening in the past two, three weeks. Uh, being able to fight fraud, being compliant, holding card details is super important. Uh, we work with a big clients who actually were PCI compliant back in the days and now actually refuse to be PCI compliant because it's more headaches than anything. Uh, what Checkout does is we're PCI compliant ourselves. We're allowed to you know, store card data. Uh, and basically what we do, we have two types of integration. One is called Frame, where customers who are not, not PCI compliant can integrate it and the person as you and me put our card details and then we create a token um, and this token we give it back to the company um, and they'll be able to use it uh, whenever the customer comes back and wants to redo a payment. Um, so this is once one integration. Uh, the second one is uh, for API obviously and if you, you'll need to be PCI compliant on that side. So we offer two possibilities for customers uh, in terms of integration. Um, we need to ask for quarterly uh, scans to make sure that they're actually PCI compliant themselves, and that's super important. Um, on the second element, we need to, as a European company, we need to respect the new regulations around PSD2. Um, and on that perspective, uh, can the customer hold X amount of money. Uh, I believe that the number is 3 million. So if you process more than 3 million a year, you need to get a PI license, so a payment institution, or an EMI license, electronic money institution, to be able to handle. So there's more and more marketplace in the world, uh, smaller, bigger, and more and more actually don't get a PI license and rely on the payment provider to do that. So those were PSD2 uh, compliance questions. Uh, that were put in place a few years ago. Excellent. I, I think that's a really important distinction is for those businesses that don't want to have to touch um, uh, getting PCI compliance certification themselves using the gateway in an integration where actually it's all provided through the payment partner rather than them having to do it themselves as well. Um, I think that's an important thing. Sometimes yeah, yeah. Exactly. I think it's a world where people wanted to have a control back in the days uh, now it's actually more the payment provider uh, taking care of the security, the understanding of how to hold cards and everything. Um, yeah. You know, there's more and more attacks. Uh, I think we've seen uh, companies like BA last year that got big fine because of uh, storing some uh, data. Um, and I'm sure there's more and more that got fined. The perspective here is there's no much point to do it if you have a payment provider to do it. Uh, and secondly, uh, your card tokens, and that's a lot of merchants actually not necessarily aware, 
But if you want to move payment provider, the tokens are yours and you're allowed to request it from your payment provider and they will need to do a token migration to the other pro payment provider. Um, and some payment provider might slow the process, but in that perspective, it's your data. So you're allowed to, share, to give it to someone else that's also PCI compliant. And it also allows ease of changing payment provider. Yeah, that's that's a really nice point to, to help people understand that there is a a benefit to not not touching the uh, the card details, but having tokenized and therefore you can reuse them in the future. Um, it leads me on to a second question related to to PSD two, which is we love acronyms in this in e-commerce world, don't we? SCA. So, so I think that's strong customer authentication. I always get the acronym wrong, but um, yeah, strong customer authentication. Um, we touched on a, a, a quite a few episodes back with with, with Adrian, but what I'm, I'm, the key thing from a good practice point of view is, is minimizing uh, merchant's exposure to disputes by using the strongest possible authentication and determining the risk profile of transactions and knowing when you should apply it when you don't need to apply it. What I'd love to hear about from a checkout's point of view is, is how important do you think SCA is? Is it becoming um, used more and more by merchants? And how does your platform help people automate that process of deciding when a transaction needs to have SCA applied to it or not? Yeah, sure. Um, in that perspective, so we're one of the few, and you previously named one, uh, to actually be able to do 3DS1 and 3DS2 uh, within the same uh, merchant. So if a merchant integrate us, they can use both systems. Why is it important to be able to use both systems is uh, certain issuers are actually not SCA regular, uh, ready um, and therefore they will decline transactions that go for 3DS 2.0 um, and that's not good. That's not a great customer experience and you lose transactions um, and that's quite important. Uh, obviously, each transaction has a risk profile. SCA is actually determined by uh, is the issuer that will push or not the transaction for 3D Secure. I think it's one out of six on average that we'd be pushed forced to 3DS. Um, it's something really good. I think more and more regions in the world will follow these guidelines. Um, we just need to make sure that every single issuer is ready uh, in the market, which is right now not the case. Um, and the UK is going actually quite well. Most of our transactions are going through the new systems. Um, and we're actually working uh, with other companies like UK Finance to make sure that um, banks are ready for it. Um, when it comes to understanding the risk profile, um, most merchants actually use 3D Secure in the UK uh, already. So the SCA impact is not going to be massive. Uh, why people use 3D Secure in the UK is because most banks actually have really good UX experience and will take the liability shift without asking the password. And why this is important is that you avoid one, one more step and we all know and you know yourself in e-commerce, the more steps there are for payments, the more likely the customer will leave. Uh, and that's an important element. That makes sense. Um, so I have a question. So uh, James briefly mentioned um, disputes in the, in the way he asked that last question in the context of SCA. Um, so in terms of kind of workflows for managing things like disputes and chargebacks, what does your process look like um, and how much can be done directly within the checkout admin? Yeah, um, so we have two ways to do chargeback, to dispute a chargeback. Um, we have a team internally uh, that helps you 
uh, understand a, a bit about it. Uh, let's say to more enterprise type of merchants, uh, we have a dispute API, um, and this dispute API allows you to, you know, batch uh, your dispute and be able to fight them towards a Visa, Mastercard, or other schemes. Um, and that's actually came out around a year and a half ago, and most of our big merchants actually integrated because it's super practical. That sounds really useful. Um, next question. So in terms of kind of global currencies um, and being able to kind of take payment and settle in those currencies, what does that look like with um, checkout? Yeah, um, there's two types of currencies. There's obviously the one you can accept in the world. I think we have a bit more than 150 uh, being able to process for our systems. To be honest, there's always 30, 40. Uh, that merchant uses um, and then after there's the settled ones and those are the key ones for enterprise level merchants uh, and in Europe we have more than 18 currencies uh, to be able to settle like for like uh, so you don't get hit by the FX and that's one thing that has been quite important for checkout since the beginning it's transparencies of fees um, and we actually allow merchants to use more and more like for like currencies and with the new neo banks, let's call it that way, that way, TransferWise, Revolut, Monzo, you can have multi uh, currency account and it's quite easy for you to get settled on those. So um, the new fintechs uh, try to fight uh, other providers that used to charge a lot of money on uh, the FX side. That makes sense. Um, and then another question. Um, so what are your standard settlement periods in terms of kind of payments? Um, and how long would it, what would your average look like and kind of how flexible are you on that side of things? Uh, very flexible. Uh, call it that way. Now, it depends on the industry. Uh, it depends on the risk profile of the customer, how long they've been in business. Our standard is weekly, uh, weekly payout. So we pay on Friday, we're you done during the week. Um, but for bigger merchant, it goes from T plus one for GBP and Euro and on all other currencies in T plus three, uh, because this is what we get from the schemes. Um, that's quite an important uh, element in the UK is it's mainly T plus one. Uh, when I started, actually it was not that common. Uh, and we decided to offer it to more and more people, uh, because I think, uh, there's not that many, that much risk settings, uh, how do you say? risk credit risk on certain merchants obviously we know with this new crisis with the coronavirus uh, certain merchants have been delayed um, settlement because of x reasons uh, because they are negative float and that's an important element either you put rolling reserve or you put uh, you know shorter settlement periods Excellent. So that's, that's some really nice coverage around uh, currency and settlement. And, and settlement bit is a lot of merchants don't think that through when they're talking to payment providers. It's just an, a, a, an assumption rather than understanding exactly when those cashes flow. Um, it leads me on to, to pay methods. So this is a bit that becomes such a critical decision point in selection, especially for international merchants who are expanding their territories and wanted to roll out to different areas where local payment methods come into play. So, Matthew, I'd really like to have a, a chat through now about, apart from standard card payments, because to be honest, that's what everyone does, credit debit cards, what other payment methods um, are native in, in checkout.com, 
Um, where do you have something that might not be native, but you have integrations with to speed up people's time to market? So I'm thinking things like PayPal, SoFor, Ideal, you know, Apple Pay, Alipay, you name it. It'd be interesting to hear that payment landscape. Uh, yeah, the world is moving towards um, more, I don't say payment method. I think every country, especially in Europe, will move towards a bank transfer type of payment method. Uh, if we have a checkout, um, Zofort, Ideal, Bank Contact, Multibanco uh, in Europe, um, after we're building others, uh, yes, we have PayPal, we have Alipay uh, already integrated. Um, and I think it's important for customers. There's two ways of seeing it. Having too many payment methods also, it's not good because um, some are more expensive so you need to be for example the cost of a transaction in 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 the uk for a debit card will cost you 0.25 percent roughly uh that's the cost of an acquire um another payment method can cost you 1.5 percent so you need to make sure that uh you take one that is relevant uh for your business model some people do profit margin of 30%. Some people do profit margin of 1% of what they sell. So it really depends on your business model. Uh, can you do a chargeback? Can't you do a chargebacks? Um, the good thing with checkout is yes, you integrate once and you have enabled all those payment methods. I think we have more than 14 or 15 uh, on the entire portfolio. We're building more and more. Uh, as we're expanding ourselves towards the APAC region where every country might have 10 payment methods locally. Uh, so it's important to, uh, to build here. And in terms of PayPal, how does it work? So if PayPal's already integrated into checkout, yeah. do merch, if merchants have an existing PayPal account, maybe they've integrated PayPal Express themselves directly in their own checkout. When they move into checkout.com, do they continue using their existing PayPal account or do they not need it because it's, it's just part of the checkout service? Yeah, exactly. So um, basically PayPal Express is a bit different than the normal PayPal wallet accounts that you have. Um, so checkout is integrated in PayPal, but the merchant will still need to have a merchant account at PayPal. So everything will be settled directly by PayPal. It's just, why did we do that? It's for ease of integration and reconciliation. Uh, basically, the transaction goes through our gateway, but all the backend and everything goes through PayPal. Uh, it's just easier for the customer. Yeah, so the customer will still see PayPal transactions within their checkout dashboard, so they can do proper exactly. aggregate reporting, but the actual payment um, exactly. Exactly. We don't, uh, we don't create merchant account for PayPal um, on that side. We leave it to them. And, and where, where's the roadmap currently like committed and planned for additional payment methods? So do you have finance services like Klarna, WePay, ClearPay? You know, is, is there stuff in the pipeline? Is there things coming? Yeah. Uh, pipeline for tech companies, you can do it for, for another three years, you know. Yeah. Uh, uh, there's always and, a bigger pipeline. Uh, as in committed pipeline is, is likely to happen versus the, it's going to take <laughs> exactly. quite a long time. Um, we do have Klarna. We're thinking about other payment methods for financing. I think it's having a big boom in the past two, three months. Um, Klarna is already integrating. It's, it's working well. It's the same way as the, the, the PayPal system where you create an account over there, but you use us as a technically the gateway. Um, us, we're looking at 
basically how checkout looks at different payment method is where we want to go as a as a company and where we look it uh, so if you want to go to australia if you want to go to asia you go look at more payment methods like grab uh, that is actually creating grab pay um, and then after we're quite strong in the middle east so we're integrating fari uh, we integrated uh, mada in saudi arabia um, and then after we need to look at different payment methods so it's true the strong core markets for visa mastercard us and the uk don't really have many payment methods uh, but it's important for us to just keep looking out there and what customers want we really build what customers want they tell us oh this is important for us um and we build it i think there's one we q2 is with uh, bleak in poland uh, there was also p24 um, there's many many more uh, swish in sweden there's actually a plan for q3 and um, there's so many payment methods now uh, I think in Europe, you'll need to integrate 2530 to be able to have the entire continent. Yeah, and that comes back to your earlier point about focusing on the ones that are most critical to customers. And that, that's the beauty of being able to turn payment methods on and off, depending on the storefront version and the country site that, that's all the... Exactly. The uh, but every year, I, I'm a big believer that every European country will have its own pay-to-bank uh, or... Uh, yeah system the uk will have it uh, it's just all the at the end of the day all those companies are all owned by the major banks in the country uh, so we just need to but yeah it's, it's an interesting uh, landscape the payment method one yes uh, and that was the the uh, implications of psd2 wasn't it to enable more modern technology companies to build on top of the existing banking infrastructure and offer more dynamic systems to, to customers so yeah i think you're right i'm intrigued to see how it goes on the klarna point because klarna has specifically three different products it's got the, the the slice it the pay later which seem to be the most common ones that providers like yourself have native to the platform but they also have finance so do you work with klarna on their finance package or do merchants need to go direct to klarna to do the finance option yeah they'll need to go directly with uh, klarna uh, i think is we're not of how do you say a lending company and it's not an expertise rather you know leave to Klarna even though sometimes they're competitive because yeah. they actually sell to merchants um, their own payment gateway and not only the pay later system uh, but they do a really good job on that side so we'll let them uh, continue the selling their own products that makes sense um, so another question. So on Moto uh, payments, um, what's your kind of uh, solution for this in terms of can you use the admin system um, to kind of ensure PCI compliance and how are merchants using this? Yeah, uh, it's been many years actually we have it. It's in internally directly on our dashboard. So if you use uh, own dashboard to create a payment, put the card detail and everything, uh, then obviously it's a PCI compliant way. Uh, every merchants need to make sure that they don't copy this payment, that card detail on another paper as people were doing back in the days. Uh, it's important to only use one system on that side. Um, it's been rather popular. I think um, people are doing less moto orders. We've seen quite a trend where uh, websites, new websites, uh, won't actually take any phone calls. Everything will be through a chat. 
So you can send a link. People will actually send a link directly through the chat or on your email for you to pay. Um, and that's an important perspective. Mail or telephone orders are not necessarily only through the phone now, but could be through links. That makes sense. Um, and then the next question is around kind of being able to integrate with different back office systems. Um, and I guess, like, what does your capability look like there? So in terms of being able to kind of um, do refunds from an ERP or um, to uh, kind of authorize and then capture payments further down the line um, from other systems. How does that look with, um, with checkout? Yeah, it's an interesting one. Um... Back in the days, we actually focused a lot on the travel and fintech merchants. We actually were not using financial systems or ERP, uh, third-party ones. Uh, and this is something quite important to us, uh, actually, to build. Um, and we're looking, actually, at the, at the moment, at two, three main platforms to be able to be connected directly. Uh, it's more towards the uh, middle enterprise merchants. They'll need to use that or the e-commerce platforms. And this is a key development for us uh, in HU uh, 2020. That makes sense. And um, just in terms of kind of that um, authorization piece, um, yeah. what is your solution? Like, do you have a solution? Like, do you tend to work with subscriptions a lot at the moment? Like, what does the kind of to tokenization capability look like at the moment? Yeah, exactly. so um, we work with companies like Zora or Chargebee uh, to be able to do the reconciliation piece. Um, uh, reconciliation and uh, recurring piece, and that's an important element. Uh, they have quite a good list of uh, merchants on their side. I think there's two ways to see it. There's more and more expertise type of companies building around payment systems, uh, the ricking engine, the POS engine, uh, the reporting EPR, ERP engines. And it's all good for us to be integrated in it. The merchant uses their systems and then after uses our system for the payments. Um, and recurring is a key element for us as more and more of the world actually goes through it uh, to convince their customers, delivery, Netflix obviously, but there's more flower delivery, wine delivery now. Um, and that's a key element for us. So integrating more and more platform here. That makes sense. And then I guess um, continuing on from kind of integrating with different systems, um, what does your um, like capability look like in terms of kind of POS integration? Like, do, is that a common use case for checkout? Like, are you doing a lot of kind of multi-channel um, integrations at the moment? And do you tend to work a lot with the different POS systems? And if so, which ones? So uh, checkout right now is only an online uh, company. Uh, so we don't have major integration with any EPOS system. Sub could actually work with us, but it's a bit more complicated. Um, we're actually launching a product uh, by the end of the year on the POS side to be able to give it to our customers. It'll be more towards the new next generation uh, instead of using maybe legacy type of machines. Uh, we'll maybe use phones, Samsung or any Android phones to be able to do the, the payments. Uh, for customers to be able to carry it much easier and shops and everything. Uh, and that's quite an important element for us. Ah, okay. That sounds, uh, yeah, it sounds really interesting. Um, and then I have one more question before I hand back over to James. Um, do you have any kind of built-in fraud um, kind of features or like uh, kind of, yeah, like any features on that side? Yeah, 
most of our merchants actually use our risk engine. Um, we have velocity check. Um, we're able to check AVS, AVS verification, also 3DS. 3DS if you want to downgrade a 3DS or you want to pass it through just a normal transaction without 3DS. Um, we actually also pushing live this quarter a new engine called Prism uh, to be able as a bit more risk scoring platform where we'll be able to analyze all the data yeah. that we've collected um, with our merchants to be able to analyze on a how do you say coin machine way uh, the best scoring that we think um, and let's say we take an average of we put our score at eighty percent then it will be the customer. Uh, decision to actually take the risk or not of the transaction and that's that's a key element uh, of processing and uh, we're really actively looking into it most of our merchants really Excellent. use ours but we want to build a, bit, a better one obviously okay, so that that leads me on to the, the the 12th point that myself and Paul uh, came up with this episode uh, it's the the rather small topic of commercials and cost models, which you know you'll you'll be delighted we we saved to last match year. Yeah, of course. Um, so I mean, this isn't for anyone listening. It's the obvious, it's an obvious point, but you need to understand what it costs to put a new payment provider in. You need to understand what it costs across different payment types, what fees you're going to incur, and fixed cost, variable costs, and understand how that scales as your business grows. So be really useful if you could talk people through their match year. But what is the fee structure with checkout? What type of costs do you levy onto merchants? How do they change based on different payment types? Um, we've decided to take an easy approach. Uh, we don't have monthly fee. We don't have setup fee, recurring management fees, any service fees. Our contract, there's no locked in contract. So it's, uh, it's not recurring monthly as you pay if you process. So that's an important element. Uh, we work on an IC++ model for transparency of the customer. Uh, what is IC++? If, I don't know if everyone knows. It's an, um, an interchange plus scheme fees. So interchange is the cost of the banks. Uh, scheme fees will be the cost of Visa and MasterCard. And checkout will put their cost on top. So imagine a normal pricing. Well, let's say IC++ 50 basis points, so 0.50% plus 10 cents. Um, and that's how we will price a customer. Every transaction we will take 0.50% plus 10 cents. And those are the only fees we take. So if you don't process, you don't pay anything. Um, and obviously every payment method has a different cost associated. Some uh, cost 2.5%, some cost 5 cents, you know. So we need to be transparent for the customer and tell them, this is what's going to cost you. Um, and that's a perspective. Uh, our fee structures, yeah, processing, one chargeback fee, one payout fee, and that's it. Uh, we try to create the most, uh, you know, easy way for them to compare us with other providers because at the end of the day, it does come back to looking at the cost and if you're much more expensive than others, then people won't necessarily uh, take you. So we need to be transparent here. Yeah, I think that's quite nice and simple as well. No, it's just that plus plus model. And how does it work with um, a cancelled or funded transactions? Where so there's a transaction fee that the charge because you have to make money, otherwise you don't have a business. But yeah. if somebody's had to refund all the full transaction cost to the customer, have they are those transaction fees returned or or um, like some of the other um, uh, providers? Is it uh, you pay that fee and that's regardless of a refund? 
Yeah, so basically there's a, we do a refund fee. So that's one fee. Um, and the interchange will be passed back uh, if there's a refund. And that's an important right. element. I know a lot of customers um, don't, uh, some of our competitors don't give back the interchange, uh, but we, we would do it for customers. Okay. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's a nice reassurance for you because um, in some areas, re refunds is quite a large part, especially in no, fashion. Like most famous retail brands, they can see around 40% of refunds. Yeah. So imagine like, you know, you, you make 1 million a month, uh, and your payment costs you like uh, 20 basis points. It's not a bad money. You know, you can uh, get, end up a hundred thousand uh, pounds a year at the end, uh, put in your pocket back. Uh, it saves you some money. Yes, definitely. Um, well, that's uh, that's really useful. That's covered through the 12 key points that me and Paul want to see. Paul, was there anything else you wanted to add into that? I don't think so. I think yeah, loads of detail there, and it sounds like you got some really cool stuff in the roadmap as well. I'm intrigued to see the um, the EPAS solution. Yes, yeah. definitely. Me, me too. Because I, I mean, me too. I, <laughs> me too. It, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it may, I mean, it makes perfect sense because I know that there are other competitors in the market who do that, and it just that end-to-end -end solution would be interesting. So, please, um, Hannah Machir, when when that is like more, more mature and you've got something you, you want to show, please do let me and Paul know. We'd love to see it. Great. Perfect. Um, but a massive thank you to both of you for joining us, um, taking time out of your busy schedules. Uh, and thanks to everyone, as always, for listening. If anybody's got any more questions about checkout.com, Hannah Matcher, who should they get in contact? Who can they ask? Uh, we'll send an email address. <laughs> yeah, it'll probably be me, but we'll send over an email address that you can, anyone can reach out to. Um, for those people who are listening, who might not read the post on our website, and um, then probably best to email over to me, which is um, hannah.rowler at checkout.com, which is spelled R-O-W-L-A-T-T. Perfect. And if anyone is listening and uh, has no short-term memory like me, then if you go to the Replatform website, you'll find a separate, uh, a unique landing page for this podcast, and we'll have Hannah's contact details on there as well. Um, and if anybody's got any questions for myself or Paul around, you know, payment selection and, and how you evaluate payment, providers against your, your business needs do let us know we're always happy to answer questions uh, and thanks thanks everybody for listening i hope you all have a wonderful day take care thank you